0: Out there. It's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in in all the details of the characters, places, things, and concepts from that galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, and I'm here
1: with my fellow Hoth veteran, Ross. Mac, it is great to be here today. I know how excited we are to talk about the Battle of Hoth, one of That's the most good- iconic mm-hmm. battles in all of Star Wars. The the ultimate example of ground
0: combat in the original trilogy, um, you know, the 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 iconic scene where I think we're going to talk about just about how much it is such a, I think a touchstone for almost every Star Wars fan, I think weaves through here at some point because it's just such a stirring set of imageries that hadn't really been committed to film. We'd never really seen this sort of like This big ground battle on an ice planet It's fascinating
1: It is, it is a monumental moment For many Star Wars fans And for the state of the universe alike So it's going to be awesome And let's not uh, waste any time Let's just get into it Mac, it's hard to say what hooks people into Star Wars. Okay. It's hard to really pinpoint one specific thing. You know, these aren't stories about one individual. They're not stories about one type of theme or... They're not stories about one place or one time. Uh, Star Wars is something that is spread across many different types of stories. And because Mm -hmm. of that, many different types of fandoms. Mm -hmm. But out of everything Star Wars has ever offered us, I'm not sure that there is much that is more iconic than the Battle of Hoth. As far as what brings fans into the series... What sticks out in your mind as much as the Battle of Hoth? Hmm.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a a very iconic look to the idea of this snowscape trench warfare.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it it's a little kind of weird when you look at it in the big picture of you know nine saga films and all the different places we've visited, all the different events we've been a part of. But this, the, you know, finale of the first act of the second movie is one of the most remembered pieces of Star Wars, in my opinion. Now, of course, I'm heavily biased when I speak about this as well, because this is sort of the thing that hooked me into Star Wars. But mm-hmm. is there any Star Wars fan out there that this isn't, a linchpin moment for them. I'm sure uh, now there are, but from our generations, I really doubt it. Yeah, I think it's interesting because all the battles and stuff
0: we've seen since then are generally more complex, larger in scale. Like you know, hmm. I usually refer to after seeing the Battle of Geonosis in Episode Two, it's more like the skirmish of Hoth. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, we've seen especially after you know all the seasons of Clone Wars, we've seen such bigger battles. Oh, of course, of course. Um. And also, once we know that, like, you know, the Battle of Yavin, which always seemed very small scale, really wasn't. Because you have to remember the Battle of Yavin is, like, Battle of Scarif Part Mm 2. They had lost Mm -hmm. most of their fleet at the Battle Mm -hmm. of Scarif.
1: Yeah, it was, like, their final ditch effort, really.
0: Yeah, so it's a little interesting that that's, um, that's where hoth kind of lives is the fact of it's it's sort of the first real big ground battle we see Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but certainly not the last
1: no certainly not the last and of course that is one of the things that some of the other films have given us outside of the original trilogy are some really great ground battle moments but you know hoth has the combination of everything it has the ground troops it has the ships through the air Mm -hmm. uh and then of course it has the uh unwinnable odds that the good guys are up against and really sets the tone for the entire movie, you know? So we open up here, um, you know, we see Luke Skywalker and all of our other old friends, uh, on, you know, they've changed, they're on a new planet, they look a little bit older, a little bit different, uh, a little bit more weary, and here we find Luke and company, you know, Luke's getting mauled by a wampa, getting healed in the back to getting a kiss from his sister, and then here we are at the <laughs> Battle of Hoth. And, you know, it starts out, the Empire is aware they're there. They've sent out pro-droids all across the galaxy yeah, looking for uh, our heroes, and they've located them on the ice world of Hoth. Now, yeah. some so... in the Empire believe this couldn't possibly be the Rebellion. The chances of finding them, needle in a haystack. But Vader's pretty sure. Yeah, because we're starting, I mean,
0: honestly, we see the Battle of Hoth more Billow up from the Imperial side because we see uh, at the beginning of the movie, there's the Avenger and it's dropping off probe droids as it's going through hyperspace, just trying to find stuff. And uh, we see one of the probe droids go down and eventually we see our heroes fight the probe droid and kill it. Which brings us to the fact that the rebels go, oh, oh no, the Imperials probably know we're here. (laughs) Meanwhile, on the Imperial side, they're like, no, it's far too remote, sir. It couldn't possibly be that.
1: But luckily, Vader is there to make sure Ozl isn't messing up. No, that is the system. (laughs) (laughs) And he puts them in their place quickly and then as the empire uh heads towards hoth the rebellion is busy planning their evacuation because they're pretty sure they're in trouble and of course admiral ozl that's really in my opinion how the battle starts is with ozl's fatal mistake this could have been the end of the rebellion here and now but yet ozl came out of hyperspace too close to the system so they're alerted to their presence
0: Right. And so we're seeing that pronounced in the movie. We just kind of hear the, you know, Imperials have like, you know, entered our system. And they're like, all right, well, we got to get the transports out and all this stuff. Meanwhile, Vader's like, Admiral Ozzel, what have you done? Because um, we see in the movie there's basically most of Death Squadron, which is the battle group that the ex- uh, Executor is part of. So we have the Executor, Star Dreadnought, the Super mm-hmm. Star Destroyer. And it has its support ones, which is the Avenger, the Ultimatum, the Tyrant, and I think those are the only ones that are named. And the Avenger is where, like, Piet is from and such. So, yeah, come in and then it's great because Vader's just talking to a subordinate on the FaceTime and he's just like... (laughs) He's like, so what's happened? Well, he thought that surprise, sir. He's like, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> I'm going to go murder him.
1: And then literally, as he turns around, calls up Ozel, And Ozel seems so proud of himself for about half a second before all of a sudden he I can't I think breathe. we
0: got the job of him, sir. I
1: think... <laughs> you have failed me for the last time, Admiral. <laughs> um... There is something a little bit more casual about James Earl Jones here at the beginning of this film. He's speaking, I don't know if it's faster, or there's something different about Vader's tone. I don't know if it's like an urgency thing, or if it's just the way they did the sound mixing on the voice, but there's something that, especially in this first bit, His dialogue just sounds a little different to me. Did you notice that? Maybe it was Um, because I was listening on, like, noise-canceling headphones. I think it's also
0: partially, like, him settling into the role. Like, because when James Earl Jones recorded the original lines, he didn't know if there's going to, like... He didn't really know what that character was going to feel right. and look like, but now he's seen Star Wars. Very, very fair, And kind of yes. knows what this being, all three, again, the, the classic of these, the the three components that make this character, right? Yeah. There's the man in the armor, there's the guy who voices the armor, and then there's also, you know, the sound guys who change all this yeah. scuba rebreathing and all this stuff to uh, make Vader sound like himself. Yes.
1: Well, I love it. I mean, you know, Vader is great here. We're getting to see Vader being ruthless and on a mission, and that's what kicks off the battle. So we are back on the rebel base. The uh, Empire has landed, and we see Leia briefing a um, company of pilots. I don't know. We'll call them, you know, a group of pilots. And basically she's saying, hey, we're here to buy transports time to escape. Don't be heroes. Save lives, save equipment, and get out of here. That's kind of the idea, right? Which they almost listen to. I mean, they do way better this time than when it's the first or, first order in the resistance next time, don't they? Right, but I'm just saying, like they they play hero, they they do. Well, um. let's talk because who we're talking about here are essentially two groups of people right this bat well the battle's really taking place on three fronts. so let's start with the easiest one. okay there is uh, basically for every major transport ship that is leaving Hoth you know of mm-hmm. the rebellion, they're being escorted by two fighters and as they take off from the planet's surface, they disable the energy field for a brief time so they can- you know so they're not worried about getting bombarded because it's still up most of the time.
0: Yeah, they have a planetary shield to protect them from the Star Destroyers just shooting down onto the planet. Yes, because obviously that would be the quickest way. Which, for the record, love that about Last Jedi we finally see why that's an important thing to have. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Because when you shoot a giant
0: laser from space, it can really mess up your day.
1: It really is no fun. Um, so we have, uh, Oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. So we have three battles, right? We have the ion cannon shooting up and disabling star destroyers. And we actually see it being successful here. And it's very, very cool. Mm -hmm. it's a great great moment we also have the ground troops and this is where we're first introduced to them we see the troops kind of up close and they're sort of you know white snow suits their goggles to me very very iconic once again um Mm -hmm. i think you know between that they're kind of cool backpacks um they always had the most interesting looking rifles to me you know just the mix of everything Mm -hmm. plus all of their armaments their cannons and their um, of course, I'm yeah, sure they the have E-Webb all Cannon specific and... names that I don't know off the top of my head. E-Web Cannon, uh, I think. It's the one with like a big radar dish one. Oh, oh,
0: the Rebels. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a, I don't remember the specific names, but basically you have the kind of pillbox thing, which is just yeah. like a cone with a turret at the top. Yeah and then you have the reflector i think it's a reflector
1: cannon maybe some some really great the toys pulses in and shoots yeah. out some really really great you toys you could definitely from tell yes you
0: definitely tell that toyetic was a word going around when they were developing <laughs> the art for empire
1: yeah um, hey it shows and it's great i think that's what makes this so fun and um, We, of course, also see here, this is where we go uh, right after this momentarily, is where we see the walkers for the first time. Mm
0: -hmm. Because
1: our troops are looking through their binocs and they go out and... Once again, in my opinion, one of just the most iconic moments looking through those binoculars and basically seeing the kind of outline of the walker and then you see them on the horizon, you hear the sounds, the score that's happening here, um, especially as they start to get into their snow speeders is just really, really picking up and really, really a ton of fun and very ominous at the same time and energetic. And, uh, you know, it makes you feel like you're moving fast as those snow speeders are zipping across the plains. You feel like you're moving because of the score here in this moment. Yeah. And I
0: have to say, I think one of my favorite bits of this is I love that the walkers presence is more announced auditorily. The Mm -hmm. first present notice of them is just hearing the Imperial walkers are on the North Ridge and, you know, like, you like, what's a walker? And then you got the electrobinoculars, and then you just see these giant elephant machines coming at them. And I think what's fun is it it pays off the name of the movie this early because the Rebels don't
1: really have any shot of this is all survival. This is not a winning at all. Yeah, and at first you don't really, I mean, I'm just going to speak for myself, you know, being yeah. five years old the first time I've seen that, you don't really understand that at first. Oh, right. these guys were just successful against that big giant space station. They blew it up. They'll win this battle too, right? right? oh,
0: oh no, and, oh
1: God, no, he just stepped on that guy.
0: oh, oh and you get the vibe of that because uh, between the fact of like all right, each transport's gonna have two fighters. What are two fighters gonna do against a star destroyer? <laughs> like <laughs> don't worry, the ion cannon will shoot them, and that's prop- you'll be fine you'll be you'll, you'll be, be, fine. be fine, and we see like the you know we see um we see Wes Jansen and we get to see sort of like what everyone who's not Luke Skywalker is thinking about things. (laughs) Hey, you ready to go do, do, Hey, you guys are all ready to go do this. Yeah. We're going to go fight the whole empire. Yeah. It's like, well, deck, I mean, just calm down. Mm.
1: Um, yes. So Luke gets into his snow speeder. He meets up with his gunner, Dak, uh, Dak Ralter, who, um, is eager. Let's just put it that way. Uh, classic, you know, um, ready to go, ready to yeah. get out there and fight the good fight, right? And we've already seen Wedge and,
0: like said, Jansen and stuff, and we've seen, like, the, the Rogue Squadron guys who feel like, yeah, time yeah. for Yavin Part 2, let's go.
1: Yeah, it's actually kind of fun because we've got, like, um, you know, some characters being established here that some will go on into the future and some won't, but obviously Wedge will become a uh, infamous Star Wars character throughout the years, both in the canon and in the EU. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, Zev Sineska, who finds yeah. Han and Luke. Uh, you know, sweeping across uh, after the Wampa attack and after Han goes out looking for him. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have some really cool characters. Now, um, as we get into the battle here, because we really see everything's picking up now, the score's picking up, the, the, the pacing is picking up, the shots are moving quicker, we're done with our slow fade-outs <laughs> now, and, you know, we've moved into the action. And this is really the first action beat of the movie, other than the Wampa attack. And this movie yeah. does have a, a relatively, you know, this whole thing, this whole first, first kind of act that ends with the Battle of Hoth is only the first 30 minutes of the movie. This is a lot that happens here very, very quickly. And so uh, as Luke and Dak and Wedge and Jansen and Zev and Hobby and everybody Everybody else else. are heading out. uh, I wish I knew all. I should work on that. (laughs) Um, Well, just remember they're different now than they used to be. That's true. Uh, So as we're heading out to the battle... um, you know, everybody's flying around. We see some great shots and this is really this is the iconic stuff, right? We're mm-hmm. flying around snow speeders, you know, we're shouting out, "Oh, those weapons are too powerful for, you know, for for the for the energy weapons. We have to use our tow cables. We have to get in there. You know, they're they're not actually being successful. They're just like flies, you know, attacking an elephant."
0: Yeah, and you have that great visual of these extremely speedy, really, you know, whip turning like little stingrays mm-hmm. running around. These just titanic,
1: just lumbering beasts. What an absolute great visual. And just that first-person view being in the cockpit. Yes. It's not like that's new. We had that same first-person experience on the Death Star. We loved it there. Mm-hmm. And here's more of it in this very different environment. And well, it's such a twist when it's on yeah, the ground. Absolutely. When we're seeing this
0: in atmosphere. Because, like... unlike most of the star wars when they're banking and stuff that's probably because they need to because they are cutting through air not just vacuum of space Mm -hmm. um and and again they have just sort of this like again this elegance to them uh and this is also when we first see the first chicken walker too
1: yes yes we get the atsts here on hoth um as we learn from other properties, there are other probe droids and stuff out there getting on the action. Yes. You know, this is a whole assault. Um, and the uh, General Veers, who's kind of leading this attack on the ground and also piloting oh. the main walker, going after the uh, shield generator is another big part of this from the other we, side. Yeah, we
0: should probably establish that from a complete military like perspective. Essentially, the stakes here are they're trying to get the transports away and get as much personnel and equipment off of Hoth and to whatever their next location is. Um, we, as the as the fans know now, it's to muster its solace. And the combatants are basically uh, uh, General Riken, who's leading the rebel forces and trying to, you know, hold the line as long yeah. as possible. And he's basically got his main, uh, infantry out on a trench that are just basically trying to hold back any infantry invest, uh, coming in. Yeah. Um, and the Imperial's first duty is to destroy the shield, the planetary shield generator. Cause once they do that, they can land more troops. They can get more through cause the walkers basically have to be landed a certain radius out from echo base, because of that planetary
1: defense systems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and We've once- talked about it before, but if, if you're not familiar, the general idea of shields in Star Wars is that things moving a certain speed can't penetrate them. So anything right. moving slow can get through. And so that's why you, know, you can just literally, we see in episode one, we see right. characters walk through a shield, but not be able to shoot through it.
0: Yeah, it feels like shields are very much like walking through a small thin layer of jello. Yeah. Yeah, that is what it feels like. Um, except that if you're at a certain speed, that jello is as hard as a brick wall. Like yeah. um and so yeah, Veers' entire thing is he's now, you know, lumbering these three <laughs> ATATs yeah. up close enough and you know, he calls in. He's like like, you know, Lord Veda, the shield will be down in moments. You may start your landing and just pulls down the periscope because General Veers, we've said it before in the show is perhaps, at least shown, to be the most competent member of the entire Imperial Armed Forces. I know.
1: That could have been such a classic moment of premature celebration, but no. No, no. no. He, he
0: scans it, yeah. they go, bap-bap, and
1: they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> Maximum firepower. All right, so let's talk about Dax's death, because that's what's happening on the rebel side here next. That's our next big moment. Yeah. Luke is leading the charge. Luke is rogue leader. He's formed up rogue squadron at this point and is leading it into battle. Um, and basically he comes up with, they come up with the plan, you know, use your tow cables, your harpoons. And so he's preparing Dak, you know, they're moving in for their first shot. And Dak has this line here about the fire suppression not working. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Moments later, we see the snow speeder takes a hit. Fire shoots out into Dak's face, presumably knocks him out, not killing him. Right. Right. I don't know if that's ever really. I'm sure somewhere it's been. I think the way we were but, talking
0: about it is you don't know. Right, right. You and don't it, know. In the sense of Luke can't turn enough around his seat to really look. Right. And by the time he gets
1: a good chance to look at it, there's a foot coming down. Yes. Yeah, so as as uh, as Dak is either knocked unconscious or killed. Um, You know, this is where we really are starting to see how outmatched the Rebels are as well. Um, And eventually here, Luke is going to go down. He, uh, you know, crashes into the snow. He's trying to get out, trying to save himself, trying to get Dak out as well. But the walker leg comes down and crushes the Mm -hmm. snowspeeder before he's able to. Now, Jansen and Wedge are able to take out a walker here. So we see the tow cable be successful. And, Mm -hmm. um, I mean another great moment right another great way to show the little guys you know kind of getting one over on the big bad empire um also just a really fun visual to see the snow speeder then fly in and blow up the atat by shooting it in the neck um just really really powerfully visual stuff here
0: yeah and 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 it it, and again, it's continuing to reinforce the idea that the rebels are having to fight this asymmetrical war. They cannot
1: win on numbers or tech. So they've got to be more creative. Yeah. And hey, I mean, to a certain extent, it's working for them. Meanwhile, Han and Chewie are still on top of the Falcon inside the hangar, trying to put it back together as the base is shaking and falling apart. Why'd you take it apart? <laughs> this one goes there. That, that one, one goes there. there. What? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> All right. Now, meanwhile, we are about to see the death of Rogue Two's Ev Sineska, the pilot mm-hmm. who heroically rescued Luke and Han from the barren wastelands of Hoth. Um, you know, he thinks he's there. He thinks he's going to be able to get in there, get a shot, and is blown out of the sky. Right. Just taken out.
0: Because we need to show some, we need to show some, again, the empire is ha, has the upper hand. So a character that we just met and it got some lines
1: and we kind of connected with him gets killed to remind us the stakes are real. Yeah, and I like right before he goes down, he you know he he's he's taken a few shots. His face is all bloody. He's got like blood dripping from his nose. Like that's not something we typically see much in Star Wars. Is you right. know your average person they get hit with a blaster and they're done. Um, they don't normally with the exception of Jedi losing limbs. We don't see a lot of injuries. It's either your healthier you're dead well especially when it comes to cockpits because usually it's like i think i can handle one two three explosions yeah cockpits (laughs) we obviously don't get to see it very often so but even like you know you don't it adds a little brutality yeah you don't see the guys on the ground that you know endor like with like an eye missing or like you know a tooth knocked out like you know i'm just saying like it's not something we traditionally see this movie's bloody we already saw luke get bloodied up by the wampa (laughs) that's true compared to the first one we're going for a hard PG this
0: time <laughs> well yeah there's yeah. no PG-13 to yeah. go to so we're not even trying for that Yeah, um, um, but we see him crash down I want to <laughs> yeah. say if you want to read more about that great character why don't you go and read it from, a certain, oh, view, yes, to, from uh, a certain point of view yes two
1: from a certain point of view Two, two. The Empire Strikes Google. Back yeah um, which has a great story about Zev. it does it does uh, that is a book I need to revisit I've only read it the one time unlike the so far. New Hope one that I've read multiple times so far yeah there's you should try the
0: audiobook the audiobook's really fun And I need to read the physical book, because there's comics in it that I didn't know about. Yeah, that's
1: true. That's true. You gotta Um, get that one comic.
0: But at this point, we're starting to see the tide has turned. The shield generator has been destroyed. Yes, we took down one ATAT. We're running out of snowspeeders. And those guys in the snowspeeders also need to fly the last X-Wing transports, you know, transport escorts. So they get recalled. And we start pulling back to the actual, like, getting out of here. And we start seeing the walkers taking out some of those gun emplacements on the trench oh yeah there's that
1: great scene where you're just in the cockpit and you see all the little troops running in front of you scampering away uh, and it's just they just look so small in comparison and it's really really good we also see Luke uh, do have another little heroic moment here where he takes out a walker on his own so he's managed as we said to get out of his crash snow speeder get out of the way of the walker and then he uses his harpoon gun yeah it's a little ascension cable and. get himself yeah. up there ascend up slices open the belly of the walker with his lightsaber throws a grenade and drops down to the ground really far even for a job i'm hoping assuming i'm hoping he's like no nah, i checked it's fresh powder it's not hard That no it's got to be like six feet deep i'm he's... just assuming
0: with the walkers <laughs> that have been trampling over it it's broken up whatever hardness there is to it yeah i mean at least luke doesn't die so he must have he he turned out okay. i mean he's
1: wearing padding and a it's, helmet it's a
0: 24 foot drop though onto his back though i mean <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Anyway. <laughs> the power of the force. And then we see the whole thing blow up, and Luke like looks up kind of bleary-eyed because oh. he did fall hard. He's like, oh, it worked great. should have done that three or four more times. Oh, we
1: just need to go do a suicide run running under these things. <laughs> Why didn't we start there? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we are back in the base, and at this point, Imperial troops have entered. And... Imperial troops have entered the base. <laughs> Imperial troops have entered the... <laughs> Han being the hero that he pretends not to be. Runs back into Echo Base to save Leia. He gets her out. And there's this really great moment where she's still in the command center, still giving orders, you know, trying to get that last transport away. And he just kind of comes over to her. Instead of having this big Han moment, he just kind of touches her on the arm. And they have this really, really great moment where they just kind of look at each other. And he just goes, like, it's enough. Like... Come on, let's go. Like yeah. just very firmly, but very like, listen, you've done your job. Let's and, go. And she starts And him. she agrees. Like she just yeah. she understands in that moment, Ooh. and it's a fantastic moment. And she's just allowing him to sort of take her out and she's like just barking one or two last things. <laughs> As she goes, they make their way down the hallway. Poor 3 PO's trying to keep up. Because R2's been taken and put in Luke's X Wing at this point, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um 3PO's trying to keep up. They get snowed in. There's a big avalanche in the tunnels. And that's
0: when, when, uh, which I think is great, is that wasn't the plan for Solo. Solo was just going to make sure she got to the transport. Yes. He's just, he's never going to admit why he's doing it, but he's doing it because he wants to make sure she's safe. And now that there's this transport, well, I guess she's going to have to be safe with me, which is maybe not the safest place. <laughs> and so he just radios out, like, transport, get away. I'm
1: going to take her out on the Falcon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he does. He luckily does make it to the Falcon. Darth Vader in tow, and uh, some awesome-looking snowtroopers as well. Yeah, and cause... as they set up the cannon and blast after the Falcon as they take off, we see our first grouping of heroes make it safely to space.
0: Yes, and we see, and we have seen the the space battle, which is not much is going on there. It's basically the transports are flying out, and then we see, you know, oh good, our first catch of the day, and we see the Imperials being very, very pleased with themselves gets smacked with an ion cannon, all the lights go off. The oh, yeah. thing just sort lists a little bit as that transport gets just enough in using the actual disabled Star Destroyer as cover against the other Star Destroyers
1: and then just zips off into hyperspace. Yeah, yeah. one of my favorite... Moments of all of this here, you know, we've got so so much. We've got the ion cannon, we've got the snow speeders, the walkers. We've got, um, you know, a great Falcon. First time seeing the Falcon take off like that, mm-hmm. um, especially because you know the takeoff scenes in A New Hope weren't added until twenty years later. Uh, so depending on when you were watching this for the first time, this could literally be your first this time. Is, this is enjoyable. seeing the Falcon because we don't see it take off from the Death Star, right? Um. Li- we we not, do, but not from this angle. Yeah. So this is basically the reverse angle. Yeah. The closest shot we
0: had, I think, in New Hope is the one where he's screaming Yahoo because yeah. it's coming right at the camera. Yeah, this is basically the
1: opposite. This is it running away from the camera, and we yeah. see the big blue grill just burn yeah. bright. And it's fantastic. um Boy, the Battle of Hoth—it's not very long when you really sit and think about it and watch it. And a talk couple of about minutes. It. But it is such a visually impactful thing, and it's something that's sprouted up now all over the place. You know, the Battle of Hoth has shown up in the first Battlefront novel. We spend some Mm -hmm. time there, and we see rebel troops get choked out by Vader. Obviously, we spend a lot of time on Hoth in uh, the second From a Certain Point of View novel. You know, the Mm -hmm. whole first third of the book, I'm pretty sure, takes place on Hoth, even though it's only 30 minutes of the movie. Well, I think it's because there's so many stories going on in Hoth, because Hoth is... Hoth itself is
0: important. L- the loss of Echo Base is a big blow to the rebellion because this is the place they've been operating out of for the last couple years. And it's still not complete. They're still working on things. There's still, you know, heater systems that aren't working that's melting certain caves. And half of these caves were Wampa caves originally. Yeah. So we got like doors locking Wampas out so they don't attack the personnel. Um, certain point of view really fleshes out a bunch of characters. And it's more about, in certain point of view, describing what it's like living in Echo Base and the kind of people who live here and what it's been like to be on the rebellion side in the interim Mm -hmm. between the two. And even in the comic books and stuff, this is the base they're working
1: out of. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. If you haven't had a chance to read from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back... There are some really, really great stories. There's one about the Keeper of the Tauntauns. Um, Mm -hmm. There's just some really, really great, great stuff. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, Other places, the Battle of Hoth, obviously no longer canon, but one of the most uh, important, and I think both of our fandoms, is uh, in (laughs) Shadows of the Empire, right? Yeah, Dash Rendar just
0: suits up, gets in one of the snow speeders, helps out, then sees the falcon leaves, then kills two wampas, and it's great. It's just great. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so if you've never played Shadows, the very first level takes place on Hoth. You actually the first two you get to you get to pilot a, a snowspeeder, take down a walker, and then you actually get to go and explore the halls of Echo Base, taking out Wampas if, and ATSTs uh, alike. I believe
0: it is still
1: true that
0: the Battle of Hoth is the most recreated like battle scene in all of video games. It's like that or D Day. But I'm pretty sure that since the World Mm. War II trend kind of died off and we keep making Star Wars games, I think Battle of Hoth is still on top because the original Atari game was the Battle of Hoth. We have, you know, the like Rogue Squadron, we have Shadows of the Empire, we have um, just like almost every game all the tactical games,
1: all the Battlefront games. Like, we've played the Battle of Hoth a lot. And it's funny, for a big, white, open field, they've sure found a lot they can do with it, you know? Yes. Oh, um, the Force Unleashed had some DLC that took oh, place yeah. on the Battle of Both that was awesome, because you got to see, like, the Wampa Ice Caves, and, mm-hmm. some re- and you got to kill Luke Skywalker, so really, really good and,
0: stuff. And while we're talking non-canon, I still think my favorite version of it is, I love the version in uh, Battlefront 2... The original one, so it sure. remind me of exactly what, what is that that, one was that two thousand five yep, yeah, two thousand and five. The reason is because you play it the first time you play it is in the campaign, and the campaign uh-huh. is falling the five oh first right, so Hoth's sort of the end, and it's great Cause you have Tamara Morrison just basically talking about like, yeah, there weren't as many of us around anymore, they were all replaced by the new guys. We never got along with the new guys. And it's just basically that Blizzard um, 4, which is like the strike team that's going into it and escorting Vader in, it's just how, like, yeah, we're the last of his real fists. And there's just this great energy of, like, this is the last gasp of the clones in the way they're telling the story. And not to mention, I I think the battlefront um, mechanisms are a really great way to tell the war because you can go hop in a snow speeder. You can go hop on a tauntaun and be part of the trench battle. Like, all those fronts are happening. And if we had ever got Battlefront 3, it was supposed to be in that as well. With You could go up and be part of the escort. Because like, originally mm. Battlefront 3 that was being developed was supposed to be yeah. a completely three-dimensional um, battlefield. Yeah. So if you flew your, your you know, X-Wing up enough, it would pop out of atmosphere and you'd be fighting in the space battle. Or yeah. if you went down, you'd descend down into the ground battle. Um, which we only really got to see in the PSP and 3DS games. Which,
1: well, you were know what the though, ports. they did put some of that energy and spirit into Battlefront Two too. Um, you know, you can do a, You can pick a ship right off the ground and get right into space combat, yep. and so they have added some some of that but yeah if you're not familiar there were uh plans and pretty far along plans you know a game was yeah. being made for battlefront 3 a sequel to the 2005 battlefront 2 but then it got canceled years went by a few star wars games later we get the remake well the 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 redos of battlefront the
0: reboot what a would reboot. you call it reboot. I would call, i'll call it a reboot because yeah. uh it was developed by DICE, who had been yeah. making games and stuff, you know, uh, famously the Battlefield series. Right, of course. And so instead of what it started out, which was, was, Battlefield's cool, we made our own, you know, Lucasfilm version of that. It's funny that the actual people who actually made Battlefield
1: made their Star Wars version. So it's, it's coming at it from the other side. Yeah. It really is... Uh... Telling, I think, you know, we, we, we started the conversation with this, and so we might as well end with it too. Hoth is so prominent in popular for a reason, mm-hmm. and that's because it, um, not only is a really, really great set piece, a really great bit of action, um, really, really good stuff for a lot of our characters emotionally, um it's all new. It's all stuff we don't really see in any other part of star Wars. Right. You know, these ground battles, like Mac was talking about, you know, the snow speeders, we never really see that type of vehicle pop up again. Um, obviously the empire being so dominant is something that I think for a lot of us, hmm. you know, resonates with us as well. Um, it's just a really, really, really iconic battle. I don't really know any other way to put it. And, I'm glad we finally got a chance to talk about it. You know, all week as we were preparing, I kept saying, I'm pretty sure we've done this topic before. But
0: we talked a lot about it during the ATAT topic. Yeah, that makes that's sense. how we got a lot of conversation around that it.
1: That was a while ago. Oh yeah. That was a while ago. We're good.
0: Yeah. But again, it's it's very iconic and also the lasting effects of it are really great. Because again, At the end of the first act of this movie, they have lost at Hoth. Mm -hmm. They survived, which is technically winning, but like, you know, I mean, when you see Vader walking through the halls of Echo Base where only a couple minutes ago, you know, Han and Leia were escaping, you realize that, no, 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 the Empire has, they've won.
1: We didn't even talk about, but Vader's black appearance against the stark white of Echo Base Mm -hmm. is another just visually amazing moment.
0: And also what it leads to one of the most interesting things,
1: which was the white armor Vader that never got used. Yeah. Could you imagine if that had been a thing?
0: Well, I think the thing about it is it makes sense that he'd wear wear. he does stick out horribly on a white field, this just black cloaked figure. Yeah. But also it's Vader, he doesn't care. Yeah, I was say, that's a <laughs> classic Vader
1: him. <laughs> of just like, yes, let them come to me. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty, pretty great. I'm so glad we finally talked about the Battle of Hoth. Yeah. Thank you for voting for it, everyone. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Want to get out of here? Let's do it.
0: All right, just like the Falcon trying to escape into a asteroid field to be not found, we're going to try and do the same thing and get out of here. Another episode of Star Wars All In comes to a dramatic close.
1: I know. Uh, another fun day. We were really looking forward to recording this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, uh, obviously a big part of both of our fandoms. And so it was a lot of fun watching it. It was a lot of fun talking about it. Um, and... I mean, it's one of the most important scenes yeah. to Star Wars. I absolutely
0: love it, and once I first saw it, well, guess what? Every single winter snow day was yeah. going to be for the rest of my
1: life. We've talked about this uh, multiple times, but you know, I've said before, Hoth is the moment that hooked me into Star Wars uh, forever, and it's something that uh, I'll never get tired of watching. Let's put it, <laughs> let's put it that way, um, Mac. We had another episode of Bad Batch come out. Uh, I guess we did. spoilers for that. Uh we did. The, the uh, Ryloth arc, uh, presumably the conclusion of this two-episode arc. I kind of hope so. Um, well, we I, only I, have I, a few episodes left in the season, so I think we'll probably be moving on to something else next.
0: Yeah. Um, fine episode. Um,
1: my yeah, brain I shouldn't have liked
0: it more than you. I, my I my brain still says I didn't need a second episode of Hera's story. Her being left where she was, I'm like, I kind of know where it plays out from here enough that I didn't need to see it. I guess it was good to actually get the Bad Batch reinvolved in that situation yeah. rather than the yeah. just having a cameo. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it, I don't want to make it – it's it's a little too Rebels prequel. Like, it's just a little too, like, connected to something that I go, I kind of already know vaguely the story. Yeah, These, I... The way people talk about Solo and not needing those details yeah. is, I guess, a little how I felt. And again, that's not – I'm not – anti it but i'm like i'm looking forward to getting back to these characters and what their problem is like at the end when crosshairs is like like all right permission to go hunt them and i'm going like weren't you doing that up until like a minute ago i said the weirdest thing about these two episodes the most dissonant thing was it felt like did a couple of weeks or months pass between The beginning of Ryloth and the end of the last episode, because, like, we're going with Cad Bane, Crosshairs is, like, shooting them out after they got their chips installed, and then Crosshairs went on to guard duty, I guess, and I, it just seemed like, it seems like these episodes could be dropped in anywhere, and I don't know why they belonged right here in the play order, but then again, I haven't seen the end of the season, so we'll see. So, I guess the whole thing is, I enjoyed them. But I want to get back to crosshairs hunting them down. I want to get back to them figuring out what their place in the galaxy is. You know, I'm almost ready for them to get past odd jobs with Sid and get – because they just got paid out of their debt the episode before that. Right. 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 So now they're working with Sid as a partner rather than as kind of having – they're under Sid's thumb. And so I'm very curious to see what is the actual cadence of future episodes. Do these guys start – inadvertently building the Rebellion, which is kind of what the Hera episode, I think, kind of leans a little towards, yeah. is like, oh, well, you guys are, you know, you know you guys are really great, and you're going to help us go start the resistance against on Ryloth. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess uh, Dark Lords of the Sith is sort of back in canon. It can work again. Because <laughs> <laughs> Cham's in the right place. It just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They weren't for me.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, I... I feel like it's only fair for me to really not form opinions until the, at least the season is done, let alone the show. Sure. You know, with Clone Wars, I watched through all of that multiple times. Same right. with Rebels. Before I really, like, okay, let me rank these episodes. Let me think about what I like versus what I don't like. You know, I just tried to absorb it. And yeah. with Bad Batch, I haven't seen any episode more than twice. Most of them I've seen twice. Yes. Um, like, for example, last week we talked about, oh, Orn Frita, you know, was shot. Well, he didn't actually die. And they say that, like, three times, the the show Mm -hmm. we just you know it's you're watching it for the first time and you know it's just it kind of goes by you and so those little details i think there's a lot there that as the season as a whole will pick up on a lot of that stuff and you know there'll be more there to sink your teeth into but we've talked about it before we talked about it a lot with mando season two of like i really like all this but you know when you have rebels and you have clone wars and you have mando now, yeah, Bad Batch, and they all feel like we're just seeing the same characters over and over again and mm-hmm. not actually learning new things about the main characters. Yeah. And it's not that that's bad. It's not that I'm not having fun with it, but it almost is feeling like the Skywalker Saga films are one saga and all of the other spin off properties are another saga yeah. rather than individual pieces and it's mm-hmm. really the more we meet characters like Hera and Kanan in the Bad Batch and yeah. the more that we see characters like Bo and um Boba Fett in you know Mando it's feels more and more well, like this is its own other big story outside yeah. of the Skywalker story rather than one-off stories like which is i kind of think like i was so sold on anthology films And I think I still want that, and that's not what we're getting anymore. Well, and I think, unfortunately, that's not what audiences want. I think
0: audiences want a lot of that connective tissue stuff. And, like, again, I'm fine with cameos and stuff. I think it's just because we spent two episodes focusing on Hera. And I guess my last way to put it is, I think I would have been perfectly fine with these episodes if they were in season two. Or one episode. Well, no, Uh, I I think it's specifically... I think maybe in a different universe when this show was planned, you know, three years ago when they planned it, (laughs) like I'm curious if there was a universe where this had a mid season break and was supposed to be on Disney XD or something like that, Mm -hmm. because it feels like we turned the story. Like I said, I feel like the show thinks I've been further away from crosshairs than I have been. Like it feels like crosshairs has been, doing other stuff wanting to get back to hunting the bad batch while the bad batch has been sort of grinding out their yeah. debt with sid and i'm like but it doesn't feel like that many episodes ago you were just shooting each other so i think that's where the weirdness of all of it comes from and much like mando once the show established itself and i loved the main character i was a far more excited to see cameos because it's my favorite character meeting these
1: people I also like. Yes. Right? Um, and I also I, I don't want to make it sound like I yeah, think I don't they're doing it too much. A yeah. fantastic job developing every single member of the Bad Batch crew, with yes. maybe the exception of Echo. I feel like he's kind of pushed to the back a little bit. But, like, I like Wrecker a... and Hunter and Tech, I feel like all have specific, defined personalities and character traits that you can rely on and count on and, them.
0: And Hunter's as growing characters. as he becomes oh, Space Dad.
1: yeah, absolutely. Like, there is so much about the show I really like. I don't want to make it sound like I don't. And, and I even
0: think Echo's probably just an overcorrection of he's, quote-unquote, the most established character.
1: yeah beforehand right, right 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 and there's still we're not even through the first season there's right. plenty more of this to come we are definitely not naysayers or negative on it there's just oh no no things no, 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 we're no, no, curious no. about but i think we're both having a great time with it i love it's beautiful I, to watch oh my gosh i think oh it's, gosh, it's,
0: I think it's just one of the things of like everyone has their own flavors of star wars that they like yeah. and for me like Yeah, I want to get back to tell me more about how the Empire is uh, exchanging money. Tell me more (laughs) of the mechanics of like, I would like to spend more time with the Imperial governor of Ryloth and exactly the mechanics
1: of how they are bringing military law to the planet. Which is not everyone's Star Wars. Most people don't want that. That was the thing I liked so much about the first Hera episode Mm -hmm. was like how much we're seeing. It just literally starts out with a crowd of people being addressed by this new empire and being like, hey, we're taking over now. So have fun with that. Like, I love seeing that.
0: And the great twist of the knife, I like the idea that Chamu's ready to put down war. He's got a daughter. He doesn't want to keep fighting this. And he's like, this can probably work out. I think this can work out. And he gives a real speech about everyone calming down. Yeah.
1: And I like Frita is, like, super angry that the spotlight's not on him. And what I love about all of that is it shows that, like, listen, it's not that people were unwilling to behave. It's not like the Empire was forced to become this big fascist entity. right Right? like people tried to work with them they tried to make them the new legitimate form of government and i hope we eventually see planets like we saw in like battlefront 2 where like
0: and some planets were all pro-imperial the imperial order that came to this planet made their quality of life significantly
1: go up absolutely absolutely um Um, yeah so i
0: love all that stuff and i love that world building stuff and that's more i think what i'm here for and so, like I said, it's just like, you know, just like in Clone Wars, it's like, oh, well, this is an episode where, or Rebels actually had a whole bunch of, like, and here they're going on uh, just a misadventure
1: to go get some supplies. I'm like, I mean, okay, whatever. Yeah. Well, we, and then the only thing we should say about that, to in fairness sake, is remember, some of those episodes that weren't really important actually turned out to be quite important. Oh, oh yeah. So I'm not that, going to. Oh, I know you're I'm, not. I'm not just, going to the filler killer yeah, arguments. That's more just for. You know, listeners sake of, you know, yeah. sometimes those space whales do turn out to be important. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And
0: I and yeah, there's no point in you can't say filler before at least a season is over because you ha- can't know yeah, that
1: word. I really do. I think I'm it's, not a fan. I
0: think it's appropriate. I think it's just being used way too derogatory because, yes, of course, most shows have some filler
1: because, But not in in 30 minutes of television every month. Yes, not every single minute is going to be a winner. My only opinion on that is when you literally, all right, now we're just going to get really specific here. But we're here. When you see the word filler. Yeah. I think that word had a very legitimate place when every show was required to be 26 episodes, 22 mm-hmm. minute, like yes, I think there was purposeful filler in that type of television. But sure. in modern television, direct to streaming and stuff, I think that word filler, not only do we overuse it, I think things are very very rarely what I would consider true filler, because I don't think filler exists in the world of non syndicated mm. table TV. So my my just to give my opinion. Yeah,
0: please. My opinion is filler is great. I love hot dogs. There are a lot of filler in hot dogs <laughs> because there has to be, otherwise they'd be yeah. too small. Yeah. I don't need beef jerky. I want a hot dog. Yeah, um, you don't want a deer stick. And my thing is, from a certain point of view everything that has ever been produced could probably be you trim a little bit <laughs> that's right the other
1: yes that's the if other you go, side of it if one, you
0: go really hard yeah. with a scalpel like even perfect movies like say back to the future that i think is paced perfectly you could probably still cut a few minutes you could probably still slice it down because when you think of something as its essential parts right that's how you cut it down and i think what i think what filler is coming out of From a genuine critical, like, you know, just talking about, hey, this is a padded episode or a pad to the season. I think what we're referring to there is more the fact of, hey, this particular story was not as tightly woven into a thematic thread through the entire show. That doesn't mean it didn't build on it, but you can tell that, say, the creators knew what moments they wanted to hit, and still had so many episodes they had to produce to get there. Or they thought it needed lengthened out, and to lengthen it out, they didn't have good ideas for stuff in between the two poles. So they just made stuff up. A, a great example is I've been watching Star Trek Discovery, and that show in its second and third season, the beginning and end, you could tell they had their best ideas. And in the middle, you get some right great meandering with character development and stuff, but you can kind of tell that at the very end, it all accelerates to light speed because... This is what we actually had yes. in our heads, and then, if you like the middle where we're just developing characters, some would call filler. I go, but I like slowing down and meeting these people and understanding them. I think the reason filler is so derogatory and so such a sharp stick nowadays is just the further meta media commentary on the fact that we have our attention split to all. Ca- video games, music, TV shows, movies, websites, web series, you know, I'm sorry, I was playing Pokemon Go. I missed that. Pokemon Go, you know, (laughs) like books. There is so much media so close to our fingertips that I think there's just a general audience vibe on wanting to not have FOMO, to want to say that I sat down to watch this, so this should be worth my time, worth all of my time. And I'm like, Nothing is. Everything's got fat on it because stories don't work. You you don't want to read the Cliff Notes version of every novel out there just because it's more efficient. That's
1: a really, really good way to put it is the journey is the yes. story sometimes and you have to. Um, all right. Let's get out of uh, any negative space and yeah, get yeah. into the most positive thing we could <laughs> ever talk about. It's finally happening. Oh. Haslab is finally finally making something for the black series
0: it's taken all all this time but they, well I, technically wasn't the is
1: the sail barge was that three and three quarter or is that six inch? that's three and three quarter that's okay big. if it was six inch i would have it okay and think about how big it would be it's already massive. It's already massive. So, all right, so if you to- don't know what we're talking about, just a few days ago, HasLab, the Kickstarter-like uh, Hasbro platform, basically, in my opinion, the way for them to avoid resellers, which I actually really am a big fan of. Thumbs up all around. Um, They have made many projects over the years. They've done two for the Star Wars Vintage Collection. They've done a bunch for Marvel Legends. And just this last weekend, announced a new... Giant Marvel Legends Galactus figure, yes. and so we all thought, oh, okay, great, that'll be their summer project. You know, maybe here's hoping for Star Wars again in the fall. Oh, 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 bot. but wait on starwars.com, it doesn't get any more official than that. <laughs> they announced that Haslab is going to be in the coming weeks, presumably, give us more information. About a six-inch scale Black Series Rancor from Jabba's Palace, which is a great—that's
0: th- the perfect kind of project to send through that system. Yeah, it is
1: because you know we one that they, they really like Episode Six and Jabba over at HasLab. Yes. Uh, two, we've got a Wampa, we've got a Tauntaun. We've got Jabba's, you know, we've got all different things, you know. They've announced we've got Bib Fortuna coming eventually. Uh, So why not a Rancor, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. If it wasn't the Rancor, I keep asking myself, like, what else would I have rather seen? Because while I'm super excited about a Rancor, and I promise you, as long as it's not astronomically ridiculous, which I don't think it will be because I haven't considered Mm -hmm. any of the HasLab stuff to be outrageously priced. I think it's all been fairly priced. Outrageously priced for what it is. Yes, 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 And yes, most yes.
0: people I can understand, like, I, I looked very longingly at they had the HasLab for um, Unicron. Yeah. Uh, and it was really nice. It was. And it was a perfectly acceptable price for what that exists in the mm-hmm. transformer market. I also could not bring myself to justify that price despite trying.
1: Trust me, understandable. Completely understandable. Um, boy, it, I don't care what it costs. I'm just so excited to have and, something think about the accessories. Think about the potential. We could finally get a Malakili figure. We could finally get an Ula figure. I'm talking about stretch goals people.
0: Rancor people, and then like Ula, but with like a magnetic waist so you can only have half
1: of her in the mouth. Think about if we could get like a cardboard door backdrop or something. I'm telling you. No, no, 3D print that. You know, people will take care of that. Oh, yeah. Where Hasbro does not provide. What if we got a big bone with it? I'm
0: guessing it's going to be fully featured in all that
1: stuff, like removable earring, you know, all, all the whole nine yards i mean i don't think there's any reason you should see this galactus also wait oh, do we boy. know what did
0: Bat batch call it what's the name what's its name oh mochi it, mochi 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 something like I that i think it's right? mochi i think it's yeah. mochi Mucci? yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: it has a name now that's not just some rancor i know do you that's... think the packaging will have the name i would love to see that i mean it's canon now so i yeah. mean i i think the fun thing about black series though i will say is like i think most of the stuff that would have gone through has labs Actually, just got to you, like the first order Tie Fighter that exists. The
1: um the speeder bike. Say we have the snow speeder. We have the speeder bike. Snow speeder. God. We have yeah. So like so in my mind, the most expensive Black Series thing that has ever been produced is the Tie Fighter at 170 retail, right? Right. Uh, The snow speeder right under it, like 150 or 160. Right. Which like 150
0: to 200 is probably where the ranker. That's the thing.
1: I think this rancor is going to be like a 149 to 199 somewhere in that range. I'm going
0: to guess the accessories are going to sort of make the accessories and details are going to kind of make up for the fact that by mass it's probably not
1: going to be as big as a tie fighter i mean it's what definitely not it's gonna about be. three meters tall something like that yeah definitely not going to be as big as the tie fighter or even the snow Spear, i don't think i am already thinking about how i'm going to rearrange my return of the jedi part of my collection <laughs> to fit it because it won't fit where they are right now um it's super exciting i mean i'm pumped i i I shouldn't be this much of a sucker saying I'm going to buy it before I even see it. But I was literally minutes away from pulling the trigger on that Bubba Fett throne hot, hot toy. The hot toy. And but then it was like, like 400 bucks. And I was like, as much as I want this and as uh, much as I can afford the payment plan, because they let you break it up into payments. Right. And it's I don't have to pay for it for a year. I got plenty of time, right? Right. I was like, I don't want to. Do, like, I want to do this, but I shouldn't do this. Like $400 is a lot of money. And then, (laughs) like, a beam of light from heaven, baby, that Rancor showed up, and I didn't buy the Boba Fett, and I may regret it one day, but for now... But when Mochi comes home, you won't. Oh, I won't. When I'm unboxing that Rancor and my wife is giving me death eyes... And
0: if nothing else, uh... there's another weird piece of this to you specifically as a Black Series collector, which is... You kind of want to support it, so they try other things. I mean, yes, someday you'll be like, I can put a second mortgage down when they say the Black Series ATT ATAT to go with your snowspeeder. speeder. It's the size of a desk. <laughs> <laughs> ah! In fact, comes with
1: fold out side which you can use as a functional writing desk. Oh my god. You know, I would, like I, I know. When I think about like what I would want, because we've gotten some of the ships, obviously. The first thing that comes to mind, like most people, is Pose X-Wing right I a mean, black
0: series x-wing since we have a black series yeah we have tie the tie fighter,
1: fighter. i mean pose x-wing because we have a first order tie fighter and also pose black and orange x-wing is amazing um but or i could see them just going with red five just but because also yeah it's the, the most iconic
0: but yeah. you know what i'd really want to see from them the mm. thing that i don't think they'll make because collectors don't really care about it or mm. not in yeah the same they made way. a jackson so sorry continue <sighs> no uh play
1: sets Oh yeah, well, I mean
0: they, uh, they have the diorama stuff, and I go, "That's neat," but it doesn't have play value. And I keep, as a delusionary psychopath, assuming that these toys should act like toys,
1: not as well, micro statues. We which are is very what they much are. in the minority of people who open almost all of our stuff.
0: Oh sure, because well,
1: <laughs> we're weird. I don't know.
0: I'm gonna say something real hot take real here. Yes, because we remember what they actually are. Which is not stocks yeah. that will gain in value, but actually collectibles, which you want to own for the sake of enjoying them. Yeah. Which, again, if you enjoy them in a box,
1: knock yourself out. Hey, I have I, some things in box, and I enjoy them in my boxes. I would boxes. just rather you buy art. That's, what arts, that's, that's how real art's supposed to be, is to be looked at. <laughs> As I hold up my fifth Din in Black series figure. But think about it. Think this about is it. art, look, I scream. No, 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 but what I mean is, look at the back of that. How many collectors will
0: never see that view of that figure? Because if I guess the point is, if you're gonna hold onto the art, at least I think we've gotten to a better place with like how Funko sort of really popped a lot of window into two things. But if I can't see all 360 degrees of my,
1: my thing inside its box,
0: it's coming out of the box.
1: <laughs> well, let's be honest with you, too. The art world, now that the art world has been saved by NFTs.
0: Don't even get uh, me started. We are not going to open
1: that can of worms. <laughs> all ones. right, yes, we will. We'll put the lid right back on it. No, I no. knew that would grind your gears a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised Star Wars doesn't have official NFTs yet. Yeah. Um, so, some people don't chase fads. Black Series Rancor. Uh, we're enjoying Bad Batch, maybe not as much as we were at the beginning, but still enjoying oh, it a I lot. I can't adore wait for more. Bad Batch. Yeah, and we're I having think, a great time.
0: I think, kind of, the, in my opinion, I think the detour to have fun establishing Harris' character, which I think is going to be important, especially depending, depending on where, like you said, where it goes and how much he mm-hmm. gets involved and how much Ryloth is a place they spend some time on, uh, this could all pay off. But, like, I'm kind of back to. I really want to see what the sort of shape of the show for a season two and on is going to be of. So is crosshairs going to chase them all the time. Are they going to reconcile with crosshairs mm-hmm. or are we going to a stab? Like what I really want to see uh, bluntly, what I really want to see is if crosshairs and squad are going to be the sort of the big bad, the constant antagonist dogging them. I want to spend some time just watching his squad and getting to know the rest of them a lot better. And then contrast that with getting to know the Bad Batch better so that when they hit each other
1: in different moments, it feels really umfy. See, the reason why I think we won't see a lot of that yet is because I really get the feeling that Crosshairs will not be the long-term antagonist of he'll our heroes. will be like the uh,
0: Sith Inquisitor from, the, from yeah, Rebels. Yeah, yeah.
1: What I really think is going to happen, whether it's this season or not, but I think he'll somehow have his memory restored, you know, not be under control of the implant yeah and then sacrifice himself to save the rest of the bad bats that's kind of my I think you're guess, right that's sort of his destiny
0: from a like yeah. good from a stock story standpoint yeah. that makes the most sense for his character um but it's yeah when do you pull the trigger on that and also perhaps it's just because they've done a really good job and I do love the show of like no, seriously, what are the Kaminoans up to? <laughs> I know! Like, I, I so yeah, desperately want to know. I don't think we know everything
1: about Omega. There's still Because, like,
0: Lamasu is, like, on a completely different agenda from, yep. you know, uh, this is so interesting. Yes,
1: there is something really, really fun there that I can't wait to unpack more. Um, you know Boba Fett's going to show up at some point. Like, there, there's just some shoes that oh, sure. we're still waiting to drop in the Bad Batch. Can't wait. It's great. It's great. Super great. I can't wait. Maybe by the time we talk next week, we'll have more to talk about. Did you crack the new High Republic yet? I'm still finishing Into the Dark, because I'm just a slow, slow boy.
0: It's okay. I'll just ask you every week until you feel guilty enough to finish it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to. (laughs) One day. One day.
0: I have no excuses. I haven't read anything from High Republic since, like, March, so...
1: I'm trying. I'm I'm far behind. I have so much to read. I still... It's a problem. I was in my comic book app today and like, wow, that many issues have been released
0: since last time I looked. So we'll see. But like, still like the vibes of that. Star Wars isn't a good place. It's only going to keep firing off from here. Um, And I'm excited.
1: I'm excited, too. I can't wait for more. New Bad Batch very soon. And next week, episode 100. So don't forget, mm. we've got a very special group of topics for you to pick from yes. for our last fan vote week for a while. You know, we've been That's doing this for a while now leading up to episode 100. We've got a big, big episode plan. We've got four potential big topics But you will get to pick which one we do. Don't forget, starting, let's see, the day this show comes out, to go to our Twitter, twitter.com slash StarWarsAllIn, Mm -hmm. and vote for our episode 100 topic. I'm excited to see what you guys pick. It's
0: going to be fun. Me too. All right, but until then, I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday,
1: may the Force be
0: with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2021.